Hello, and welcome to the Loft Gathering Podcast. We are excited to welcome you to our Authority Series. We will be talking about the contents of our mind, mouth, attitude, and life actions, and how these are the staples to further understand our authority in God's kingdom. Get ready to have your thinking challenged and your faith turned up. Here's Lisa. So thank you, God, for this word. We ask you to come and get in the middle of us and watch over your word to perform it, God. Speak to us about the authority that we have in the kingdom of God and that the kingdom of God resides on the inside of us. Help us, God, to understand what you intend for us to carry as your sons and your daughters in this day. In the name above every name, Jesus. Amen. So if you agree with me, you could say amen. Amen. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Todd. So today I'm going to start with this verse from Revelation, and then I'm going to preach a little bit and unpack it a little bit, and then we'll come back to to unwrap and unpack this verse completely. It's Revelation 5.5. It says, one of the elders said to me, this is John, the beloved of Jesus. You know, John gave himself that name, but we like it. We call him the beloved, and he has a revelation after Jesus had come to earth and lived and died and resurrected, and he has a vision, and he's on this isle. He's in, he's in exile on an isle called Patmos, and he has this vision of Jesus. And during this vision, one of the elders comes to him. He's crying, and he says, Do not weep. See, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered. So he can open the scroll, and it's seven seals. So it's an emotional teaching for me. I found myself caught up in it quite a bit as I was looking for it because I love that new song that we're doing. You know, the lion, lion of Judah, hail, hail, lion of Judah, you know. He, he alone is worthy to open up the scroll of heaven, you know. We make his praise known. Hallelujah. I mean, that's a great song. And it's inspiring, and we're going to sing it alongside of this message. But I kept asking the Holy Spirit, well, what do you want me to, what do you want me to talk about with the lion of Judah? It's only mentioned in a couple of places. So I always go back to history and see what God did and what he wants to do. What is he doing now? It's the same God then as he is now. The same God that did all the miraculous things then will still do them today. We serve a risen God, still a healer, still a provider, still. And so in history, the lion of the tribe of Judah comes from a day way back in the book of Genesis. I think it's around Genesis 49. You can read that on your own time. I'm going to read a, a, couple, a couple of descendant qualifications that that are mentioned there, but this is from a day when the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, you know, Jacob has 12 sons, and this is from a day when fathers blessed their children, and they spoke into their lives, and they gave them an identity, and they spoke to them what they're good at, and they spoke things, prosperity, and like life-giving things. One, One tribe, one of the sons is a Levite, the tribe of Levi. They're priests, they're worshipers, you know, they're gonna have a lineage of their own. But this son, Judah, the fourth son of Jacob, is spoken. The lion of the tribe of Judah will come from your descendants. A Messiah will be born through your lineage. And also an honorable mention, King David comes from that same line. That's why sometimes Jesus is called the son of David, the son of man, the son of God. But in this particular text, the lion of the tribe of Judah will come from your lineage. Here's what it says in Genesis 49. He, the lion of the tribe of Judah, will be praised by all. He will be as a lion. He will be one who rules over all people. 
He will be one who crushes enemies. He will be one to whom all his brothers bow down. He is one who is feared. His kingdom is an eternal kingdom. There will be none capable or worthy to challenge his throne. One day all nations will bring tribute and worship before him, and he is one to whom all the nations owe obedience. So when Moses wrote this, and we take our track through here in Genesis 3, in verse 15, there's a promise of the Messiah. And by the end of the book, he's calling him the Anointed One, capital A, capital O, Anointed One, the Messiah. The whole book points to Jesus coming, the whole book. Everything about it is this miraculous plan that God has. And when, you, when we sing, hail, hail, Lion of Judah, what are we singing? You know, with a little bit of, just a little bit of knowledge, that song can go from just like a mediocre, nice tune that you sing to something that, that stirs revelation on the inside of you, that brings like this empowerment to be able to speak the word of God boldly, to be able to live your lives with authority, with a tangible authority to overcome, no matter what, obstacles. It doesn't mean life is perfect from there or easy, certainly not. Why need a warrior tribe if there's no battle? Judah is known for being just like incredible superhero warriors. They fight. Remember, David has slain tens of thousands. They, they're battlers. Now, interesting thing about Jesus, you know, the tribe of Judah doesn't have any priests in it. But Jesus is the priest after the order of Melchizedek. Jesus is a priest and a warrior and a king and a savior, and a healer, and a provider, and your closest friend, and everything. He's your corrector. He's going to set your life straight. He's right there with you, providing the spirit of God on the inside, right? Jesus is like the, the greatest shapeshifter ever, if I can say it like that, with no demonic attachment, all heavenly attachment. He becomes what you need when you need it. He becomes everything that you need when you need it. The thing is, we forget that, and we try to do it in our own strength. And when we do that, we continuously will fail. So we call again on the name of the lion of the tribe of Judah, and we see where the strength comes from, and we, and we reconnect with them. So I looked up some artifacts. I, I like art. I like art history. And so I looked it up a couple of pieces of art that would symbolize the line of the tribe of Judah. So where would this be? You know, it might be on a flagship of someone who's carrying goods, and you would see some kind of lion like this, the one that's the oldest. This is my favorite one. This is like, right now it says property of the, this museum in Istanbul. You can't even get a copy of it to show anyone without, without uh, them acknowledging that they own it. But it's beautiful from the Byzantine era, I think. And when you would see this on a wall or, or carved into the city wall or just displayed in any place, you would know this is Judah. This is the territory of Judah. This is the tribe of Judah. It's like a seal maybe even on your very arm that says, I have the authority of the tribe of Judah. This is what I want us to get. I want us to understand and connect ourselves that we have the, a kingdom authority of the lion of the tribe of Judah in us. That God, what if God was trying to define your life and speak to you about who you are beyond what you're living through? Who you are, not what you're looking at every day, but who you are in his eyes. I always pray like that. God, when I see people, let me see them through the eyes that you have. Let me see who David is through the eyes of Samuel, that I might know who you're trying to raise up and what you're trying to do. It's a powerful prayer. And I, anyway, I brought the artifacts in so you could see and have a, a visual. Like sometimes you go, go through a museum and you'll see a piece like this and you'll just think, eh, that's old, it's ugly. You know, what does it mean? But sometimes if you take a look and then you'll see it somewhere, it'll constantly be a reminder to us, you know? 
There's a lion of the tribe of Judah somewhere that, that someone's father spoke a blessing over their life. And whether they intentionally stepped up into it and tried to perform or whether they just lived their lives, the blessing is spoken. And not just by the man as an act of his will, Jacob, when he spoke those things over his fourth son, Judah, but through the voice of God speaking a prophetic word to his son, the lion of the tribe of Judah is coming through you. Mm. Okay. So I can, think of, I can think of places where this is powerful. And one of the big things, the, one of the epic scenes that we still have to see is the second coming of Jesus Christ. Jesus promised that he would come again. And I think in today's world, we have such a gospel that's well, take it or leave it. You know, how many people do you think God has spoken to their lives to even just to be part of our community right here? Now, last week we did some baptisms, and it was pretty crowded in here. Where are the people that got baptized? Where'd you be? Where'd you go? Because the water in itself isn't the thing. The community of God is the thing. The worship of God is the thing that breaks chains. The teaching of God in Scripture is the thing that makes you grow up in God. What if God called us to be among each other? Because I can tell you, I'm, I'm excited all by myself. Okay, me, me and the Holy Ghost, I'm excited to be here. I got Angie. She's shouting down back there. I got Christine. I mean, I got you guys. I've got my people in here that I know and I love that walk with me. And I see you and I see you here. So I'm going to be happy already. But I can tell you when there's a whole bunch of people that shows that our influence and the way that we're, that the ones of us who are here, the faithful ones, I mean, it's like when I can see the, the room full, I automatically am super excited. You know, and then through the week when the people aren't here, it's like I have this downcast, you know, kind of situation. Not myself, other people. Where are those people? Where are those people that said that they were married to us? Where are those people that said, I'm never going to leave? I love the way this is taught. I love the way that it goes. Look, I think what happened somewhere along the way is that people began to think that the gospel was optional. That I can take it or I can leave it. And you can. And if you leave it, how will you ever bridge the gap from this life to heaven? The gospel isn't optional. It's for everybody. It's the reason that God loved the world. It's the reason that Jesus came. And it's the reason that Jesus will come again. And I've got, man, there's so many scriptures in there. You can even throw them up after the Thessalonians one. I'm going to read that one. But there's so many scriptures about this. And there's places where Jesus himself is talking about it. There's places where Paul is talking about it. It's prophesied in the Old Testament, even all the way back. And I think it's Zechariah. It says that Jesus, this Messiah who will come and he'll live and he'll be crucified and he'll raise from the dead. And then he'll come again and he'll touch his foot on the Mount of Olives and it will break into two parts, left and right. And there will be a division. Jesus said it, man, I came to make a divide. I came to put mother against daughter, father against son. Man, those are hard teachings, Jesus. What does that mean? Jesus certainly doesn't want us to not love our mothers, but he would have us love our mother and then love him more than her. And he would have us give everything in our lives to serve him and to find him, right? We'll touch his toe on the Mount of Olives. It splits in two. Well, well Lisa, he already came. That was Old Testament. He did already come. And then whenever he came, he made sure to let us know he was still going to come again. Here in Thessalonians, Paul's speaking about it. He says, the Lord himself 
will descend from heaven with a cry of command, the voice of an archangel, the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so will we ever be with the Lord. What? I mean, that's something I want to believe in. I want to put my whole self into believing that he is coming again. And if he is coming again, that's what all those stories are for. They start to make sense. Make sure you have enough oil on the day that he's coming because you don't know what day that's going to be. And make sure you've stored up enough oil so that when he's coming, you're ready to meet him because you don't know what day or what hour he's coming. And that's why we don't live a gospel that's optional. We live all in because we don't know. Just like the day of Noah. And there was revelry and partying and everything was going on all around until the door was closed. The door will close. You know, but if we know our God, even after that, he'll find a way for redemption. But it might come really hard, really difficult. Hebrews 9.28. So Christ, having once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. Well, that would be me. And that would be you. Now, I'm not in a hurry to get to heaven. I'm enjoying the journey. But I would love the day, and I relish the day that I can see him. And that everything I believe becomes real in front of me. And I can touch him and worship him. Man, I always tell people, if you don't like worship, you probably won't like heaven. You know? Because, I mean, 10,000 years, and then another 10, and then 10 more. And we're just getting started. To, because we could see, and our eyes will behold everything that we now dare to believe. Whew. Man, that's a good day. Revelation 1-7, John's revelation again. Behold, he's coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him. Even those who pierced him and the tribes of the earth will wail on account of him. Even so, amen. This is Jesus coming through the clouds. It's miraculous. It's the roar of a lion. It's the lion of the tribe of Judah. You think about the king of the beast, right? The king of the beast, the lion, it's the most powerful thing. It's the top of the food chain. And for certain, it will come with the sound that is unrecognizable to our ears, and nothing will be able to withstand it. I think of another time, too. There's many, many more scriptures. Y'all can read those on your own time. I mean, this one right here, I put three stars by it. Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. Don't get scared when we talk about stuff like this. Get hungry. Get curious about what God is doing and how he's moving because there's no amount of social media that can bury this stuff. When you start talking about these kinds of things, the very atmosphere in the room elevates because there's some kind of excitement that he is actually going to come and open a window and bring you into it. Let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God and believe also in me. In my father's house are many rooms if it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and I will take you to myself, that where I am, there you may be. These are glorious, lofty thoughts. It's part of the name of this church being the loft. It's lofty. Our God is a high God. He's a lofty God. He's a wonder-working God. His thoughts are higher than your thoughts, and his ways are way higher than your ways. If you have to wait a little bit, 
it's okay. Wait. The waiting is good. There's something in the waiting that always teaches us. There's something that always makes us grow, that elevates us to the next plane, to the next level where he is. Deep crying out to deep how desperately he wants us. Here's another place where I can see the unfathomable roar of the lion of the tribe of Judah. And this is where Jesus storms the gates of hell. So Jesus, you know, he dies and he's, and he's in the grave. And it's the same thing that would have happened, I imagine, on the Mount of Transfiguration when it's just Jesus, just in Son of Man. And he was always marveled by that. Son of Man, but he reveals who he actually is with the white light. It's so bright you can barely see it. And the presence of God that's overwhelming that they want to set up shop and keep him there forever. It's so great. And it's so glorious and so big. And other heavenly beings start to appear. And Jesus shows that. I think that same kind of thing probably took place when he gave up his human life on the cross. And then he woke up in that grave, that same kind of, there it is, that that roar of a lion, and it blows back the stone and rolls that away. And then he goes into hell. Now, just for a second, I mean, if you can even imagine this, if you've ever read this book called The Screwtape Letters, you'll know what I'm talking about. But if you haven't, you should. So imagine that the devil has reached a place in his life where he has crucified the Son of God, and he's dead. And, and he's sitting in the gates of hell and sitting in there with all those little demons, fear and lust and greed and the pride of life and all those little minions. And he's sitting there with a, with a cigar and a, and a bourbon. Not that there's anything wrong with that. But I just see him doing that, smoke rising and vapor and putrid smells. And, ha, ha. and we finally have killed Jesus. And then all of a sudden there's like, you know, like a little something starts to like shake and the ground is moving a little bit. And he's like, what, what is that commotion? And what, what is happening over there? And what, do you hear that? Do you hear that sound? What is that sound? It's, I can't make it stop. Look at that light. It's so bright. I can't even hardly take it. And then there's the roar of the lion of the tribe of Judah that said, I'm going to go back in. I'm going to go in the enemy's camp. I'm going to take back what he stole from me when he took the authority off of my people that I made. And how dare he take the authority that I had for my people to be afraid of death, to be afraid of hell, to be encumbered by sin, to be weighted down by the things of the life that break us. How dare you? I take it back and I give it back to them. It's the way that Jesus is. It's the lion of the tribe of Judah, the roars. I like it. You know, I think here's the thing. I think sometimes we think in life, you know, the, the higher we climb and the more money we make and the more kids we have and the more people who are in the room and just the higher up the ladder we can go, it's like, then we'll make it, then we'll be successful and that'll be great and that'll be like the lion and that'll be meaty and that'll be strong. You know, and that'll be everything. And, and we think God, like, puts the best gifts on the top shelf. And, like, you know, pr- pride and arrogance and all the things we carry around. We're, we're trying to get past those things to grab the high thing that, that's up there, the mercy of God and the forgiveness of God and his love that it might be shed abroad in our heart. And we think he puts it on the top. You know, on the top shelf, I mean, that's how we do it at Christmas. We take all the presents and we hide them up really high so our kids can't find them until it's time. 
But in God's economy and in his logic, he's not that way. He puts the best things low, really low. So low, you got to get down on your knees to get them. The thing about Jesus is that when John wakes up from this vision, let's read it. Let's read this thing in Revelation. He said, I'm just going to read the whole chapter. It's not that long. i got to make sure you get word in you this week. It says, I saw the right hand of him who sat at the throne and a scroll written inside on the back. And it was sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the scroll and loose its seals? And no one in heaven or on earth or under earth was able to open the scroll or even to look at it. So I wept much because no one was found worthy to open and read the scroll or look at it. And one of the elders said to me, do not weep, behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed, and he will open the scroll, and he will loose its seven seals. God is holding the scroll. Just pause. Let me set the scene in case revelation is unfathomable. God is holding the scroll and has seven seals on it. What is in that scroll? We don't know. And you remember even in the days when when people would ask Jesus, when, when are you coming? When is this day going to take place? And he would say, I don't know. Only the Father knows that. Only the Father has that written in his scroll. What if, what if in that scroll is the plan of the destiny of every human and, and every life that's ever been in it, and it can't be opened, and no one can see it, and we have no future? What, what if on that scroll, what if, it's the, what if it's the Lamb's book of life? And your name is there, and no one can look to see it because no one is holy enough to do it. And no one can progress, and there's no future to be had except for the lion of the tribe of Judah because he can do it. And then when, when the angel says, the lion of the tribe of Judah, he's worthy, he's prevailed, he can open it. In verse 6, John says, and I looked, and behold, in the midst of the throne, there were four living creatures, and in the midst of the elders, there stood a lamb as though it had been slain. That was like seven horns and seven eyes. I mean, the things of God that we would think are scary, they are. They're terrifying and beautiful, and they're hard to fathom what God would have around his throne. But here he is, the lamb, looking though it had been slain. He came and he took the scroll out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, and they each had a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song. They said, you're worthy to take the scroll, to open its seal. For you were slain, and you've redeemed us by your blood. And out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation, you've made us kings and priests to our God. You are a king and a priest. You and I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne, the living creatures, the elders, and the number of them was 10,000 times, 10,000 and thousands of thousands, and they're all singing with a loud voice. Now look, I don't know if you've ever been to a concert or some kind of venue where there's a lot of people, and they're all screaming and yelling and singing at one time, but if you can imagine that, and 10 times more than that, and maybe even 10,000 times more than that, is the ringing of the roar of this 
angelic, powerful presence that's saying, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and glory and honor and blessing. Every creature which is in heaven and on earth and under earth and such are as in the sea and all that are in them, I heard them saying, blessing and honor, glory and power be to him who sits on the throne forever. So John and all of us were looking for a lion, and it's a lamb. Remember, Jesus is everything that we need when we need him to be that. And here he is. We're looking for the lion of the tribe of Judah, and he's a lamb. And I wonder how many times we try to come in high when we just need to come in low. And not just a lamb, but a lamb that's been sacrificed. I can't help it. My mind can't help but go to the passion of the Christ and that epic depiction of what a scourging of a Savior might look like. The lion and the lamb. This is why the gospel means everything and why it's not optional. The authority of the lion of the tribe of Judah is over your future and over mine. You have authority over the future. Because Christ in you is the hope of glory. Would you stand up with me? I want to I invite us to have a prayer. I don't know if you're ready for a trumpet sound. that sounds like an ocean roaring, a lion roaring, and, and waves of water crashing around. Are you, are you ready for that day when the dead in Christ rise? Because we're primed for it. Look around, you know. Bible prophecies are coming true right and left, just one after another, and more and more and more frequently as we live. Are we ready? Are we ready to go to heaven without the people that mean the most to us? I hope that feels like a weight of conviction. And you can't carry it. Only he can. But I pray that you receive it. I I pray that you pray dangerous prayers. Lord, whatever it takes for me, to carry the authority of the gospel of Jesus Christ to this world. Let it be. And he holds the future. You can just bow your head. I'm going to pray. And if you agree with what I'm praying, then you pray it too. There's something about the prayer of agreement. And the first part is about making your heart ready for the sound of a trumpet and the gathering together to meet him in the clouds. Because something inside just knows that's not a fairy tale, that it's epically true. That's the first part. And the second part is about helping us as the believers of God to raise up in our authority with the kingdom things for the earth. And they're hungry for it, guys. The world is desperate for what lives on the inside of you. Don't die with your best kept secret inside. Let's pray like this. Thank you, Jesus, the Lion of Judah, for dying for my sin. Thank you for rising from the dead. Thank you for making a place in heaven for me. Thank you for the kingdom authority of God on the inside of me. Would you forgive me for my sin? Would you take me as your own? I give you my life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit.
God, help me to trust you all of my days. Fill me with the Holy Spirit and power. Help me to understand kingdom authority. Let me walk in it that you might be glorified. Help my ears be in tune with the roar of the lion of the tribe of Judah. Amen. I love you guys. I'll see you next time. Thank you for joining us today. Remember to like and follow for the next installment of the Loft Podcast. If you want to be a partner with the Loft, you can give on giveify.com. If you need more information, check us out on Facebook or at theloftgathering.com. And of course, join us 1030 Sunday mornings. Hope you have a great week. Till next time.